Welcome to These Occult Stories, a podcast featuring stories submitted by listeners like you that concern those eerie, disturbing, and frightening events from our lives that are often swept under the rug to avoid scrutiny from our seemingly rational fellows. It is my aim to lift the rug entirely, shaking loose whatever has been hidden away. Whether it be true crime, an apparently supernatural occurrence, a run-in with a cryptid, or even a creepy neighbor you caught staring into your bedroom window at night. I highly encourage you to submit your story. We'd love to hear it. All stories can be submitted to theseoccultstories at gmail.com. Again, that's theseoccultstories at gmail.com. To stay up to date with new content, new features, etc., be sure to follow me on Instagram at these underscore occult underscore stories. I'm looking forward to sharing content with you regularly and accompanying you on long, lonely, dark car rides. It was late. As usual, I was running behind. Many of my friends are not punctual by nature, and I'd spent nearly 20 minutes in Cameron's driveway waiting for him to gather his things. I'm sure he became distracted more times than he'd willingly admit. It made little difference, really. A lot of us kept late hours as it was, and these hours were stretched further when we were together. Regardless of the leniency of our hosts, I wanted to reach our destination as soon as possible. It was a 40-minute drive from the small town of Colgrove, Ohio, to the deep woods of Pedro. Yes, it's pronounced Pedro, and if you say it any other way, the locals will laugh at you. And the thing about the roads of Pedro is that they're obscured behind dense foliage, filled with large animals that are guaranteed to total your vehicle on impact and filled with dangerous bends and turns, too. The otherwise static lane will sometimes suddenly turn into a fork, leading those who fail to notice to one of the abandoned cement plants, or the plot of an abandoned sawmill, and that was if you were lucky. In the overwhelming darkness of the surrounding forest, the senses are easily dulled and seduced, and the drive ever more eerie for it. I'd been visiting those roads for the better part of a year, but I still couldn't afford to be careless. My eyes never left the road. Tucked behind the overgrowth that bordered the route was our destination. We turned into the narrow gravel driveway and proceeded to the single wide trailer. Such houses, especially those in the middle of nowhere, usually carry a less than flattering reputation. But this one was charming. It still is, too. A great porch, nearly the length of the structure itself, had been added years ago, and it was filled with plants hanging from the porch ceiling, a wooden carving of a Native American, and a few reinforced wicker chairs. 
though the forest threatened to swallow up the single wide at any moment. The house remained and provided a cozy spot in which we might endure the darkness. I mention it a lot, I know, that darkness. And I mean to. It's somehow distinguished. The ambient light one sees in the sky when they inhabit a city is almost comforting in that there are no mysteries. Nearly everything can be made out with the naked eye. In Pedro, however, you were lucky if you could see three feet in front of your face on a moonless night. But something about that was thrilling to us. Our hosts, a couple of our friends we'd known since our younger years, greeted us, and we spent some time sitting on the porch, catching up, and listening to the sounds from the woods. You'd usually hear strange footsteps, things we couldn't quite identify, and other such things. From the safety of the porch, we'd shout moronic things in their direction, sometimes eliciting responses, and sometimes just making ourselves laugh. Once inside, we all agreed upon a movie. It's hard to say what it was after so many years, but it's a safe bet that had something to do with zombies, classic horror, etc. We were huge fans of the independent Italian horror films of the 60s and 70s, the cult classics, the household favorites, you name it. We'd probably watched it out there in those woods. We didn't drink on these occasions either. The movies provided more than enough entertainment. It was close to 3 a.m. when we went to bed. Because there was only one guest room with one bed, Cameron and I shared the space. And because he was rather thin, we fit comfortably. Because he rolled cigarettes from rolled tobacco, I slept easily when he was around. It's difficult to describe the fragrance, really. Raisins, maybe? Hay from the farm? Whatever it was, it comforted me. The room was small, maybe seven by 12 feet, and it had a strange layout. It was rectangular, sure, but there were certain pockets of space that weren't entirely functional, and they created strange layered shadows when the lights were out. There was a closet directly across from the bed, too, that could not be closed entirely. The door had shifted from the frame over the years. Cameron was asleep in a matter of five minutes. I, however, was still allowing my mind to settle. This was a challenge because, try as I might, I couldn't stop focusing on the strange noises that were erupting from the woods, only feet from our section of the trailer. The walls were thin, and everything echoed. Tree branches were disturbed. Steps in consistently intermittent patterns were unusually audible, and the occasional grunt or snort penetrated the window just next to our heads. I was unnerved. It wasn't until later that I understood the horrors from beyond our walls were of no concern to me. It was what was in them. vaguely remember a dream into which I'd unknowingly slipped. I was with my nephew. 
He was in the earlier years of his life, maybe two years old in the dream. We appeared to be performing some sort of examination of a mole on his face. And though I was in a dream, I suddenly became aware of a slight pressure on the upper arm of my physical body. It's difficult to describe, really. And though that awareness had come, it was quickly gone as my dream continued. I had tweezers now, and I was carefully directing them toward the mole on my nephew's cheek just below his left eye. When the tweezers made contact, the mole flinched. It was then that I felt that strange pressure on my physical arm again. But it had somehow grown in intensity, like the pressure of a firm handshake. Again, it faded, and so did my awareness of it. The mole had now begun rotating slowly, corkscrewing slightly deeper into the face. My nephew winced in pain. I was afraid, I remember, unable to understand what I was seeing. And then I approached with the tweezers again. alarm, but I was too caught up in the activity of the dream. The writhing skin tag required immediate removal. My nephew was now screaming and perspiring. The tweezers connected. With a strong pressure, I began tugging at the source of our disturbances. But the pressure on my arm was growing. The head of the mole yielded and loosened its hold. But we quickly discovered it wasn't a mole at all. Millimeter by millimeter, the body of a thick, blackened worm emerged. It contorted furiously, resisting with all its strength the pull of the tweezers. My eyes suddenly snapped open. I could smell that sweet tobacco scent. I went to turn my head toward Cameron, but my head wouldn't obey. I couldn't move at all. My body felt completely magnetized to the bed. Gravity had increased exponentially, and the weight of a single toe was too much for me to manage. Panic set in. I was hyperventilating, and out of my peripheral vision, I became terribly aware of someone else in the room. was a solid black figure. I tried to look for some discernible features, and there were none. The silhouette implied a strange build, stout arms that were unusually long, and what I assume was hair that approached the length of the chest. Had it not been for the dry, challenged breathing coming from somewhere inside it, I'd have thought it was some nightmarish mannequin. I could do nothing but lie before it, listen to its labored breathing, and stare cowardly into the blackness of the room. It did not move. 
For what felt like hours, it remained there, inches from my left arm, breathing in that endless, terrible way. I tried prayers. I tried to close my eyes to return to a dream. I tried to speak, maybe to frighten it by yelling. But the most I could do was increase the intensity of my breathing. The only sound that would come out of me was similar to the sound of releasing the spit valve of a trumpet. Hollow, meaningless air. Without warning, the figure shuddered. It turned away and quickly walked to the furthest corner of the room. Cameron's body bolted from the bed into a seated position. He was shaking and gasping. His hands were anxiously raking through his long hair. I was now able to move, and I sat with him. The figure, whatever it was, had left. I told Cameron about my experience, but it wasn't long before he cut me off with his own recollection. An old woman, stout and with loose weight on her, had been sitting on his chest, exhausting his lungs with her weight. He thought his ribs might collapse from the gravity of her form. She had unusually long arms, every inch of them wrapped about his head, holding him in place. We both went to the living room to finish out the night. We told no one of our experience.